0: Again, everyone, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Rasinello, And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go in to the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Please, as always, we ask you to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app. And more importantly than that, um, share it with your friends, okay? Uh, because you have access to all of our content, all the EWTN content, all the original programming, including Restless, including Bishop Caggiano, including the Frontline with Joe and Joe. So if you like the lineup, share it with your friends. And please, if you where you find Joe and I on social media, primarily at the Frontline tv or the frontline with joe and joe on youtube hit a like a subscribe a share if you like what we do do all that fun stuff we really appreciate it and today we are very pleased and honored to be joined by joshua hulk shield and we're going to be just discussing his new book out from Sophia press a mind at peace reclaiming an ordered soul in the age of distraction joe resinello That sounds like a relevant topic to me. I don't know about you. I think Um, everyone's
1: looking for peace, Joe. That's for sure. That's right.
0: And the problem is, and, and we are in an age of distraction, and that's why is here, because he's going to talk to us about it. So, uh, But very quickly, for those of you out, out there who have not heard of Joshua Hochschild, he is a professor of philosophy at Mount St. Mary's University, where he was the founding dean for the College of Liberal Arts and currently directs the philosophy, politics, and economics program. He has published and lectured widely on philosophy, culture, liberal education, and the Catholic intellectual tradition and is a former president of the American Catholic Philosophical Association. His book, this book, A Mind, at Peace, Reclaiming an Ordered Soul in the Age of Distra- Distraction, which is co authored with Christopher Blum, is a work of practical spirituality. It draws on his research in classical and medieval philosophy, on teaching college and seminary students, and on his experience raising four children with his wife, Paige, in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Joshua Hochschild, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe, our friends.
2: Thanks for, so much for having me on your show, guys. I really Absolutely appreciate the
0: best it's a pleasure brother with that joe resinello i'm going to hand it over to you
1: josh we always start with the prayer because all good things start with the prayer in the name of the <laughs> father son holy spirit amen remember oh, most gracious virgin mary never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided inspired by this confidence we fly into you a virgin of virgins our mother to you we come before you we stand sinful and sorrowful Oh, mother of the word incarnate despise not our petitions, but in your clemency, hear and answer us. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Josh, this is such an important conversation. Speaking uh personally, I got on the bus every day, go into New York City, and everyone's talking. Years ago, no one was talking. They're talking on the phone, they're listening to things. It was a quiet time, people had peace we don't have peace anymore. It's just a fact. I mean, clearly the last two decades, uh, modern technology has brought scores of challenges to our peace. I mean, that's irrefutable. Um, In your view, how has this technology advanced um, this, this world that we live in? It's completely, if you ask me, it's crazy. Um, How has this brought an end to our peace?
2: Well, it's interesting. I mean, um, presumably every age presents pr- its own particular native challenges to peace, right? So um, uh, the, the the pressures of daily life, even in the most primitive society, you know, people would have, have to struggle to find, you know, peace and rest and a feeling of safety and calm. And um, but the the uh, the 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 technology of um, Portable digital devices introduces a, a new um, a, a, a new concentration of demands on our attention. So one one way that you can understand the piece that we seek is, is for a way for our attention to be focused on the things that it it should be focused on and be able to filter out the things that it that it doesn't need or, or the things that um, would would disturb it and. Um, We've never before had the kind of potentially unlimited, constant, immediate opportunities for our attention to be distracted um, that that we have now with um, the the dawn of of portable digital devices. But we all, almost everybody today in in the Western world carries around in their pocket or holds in front of their face uh, a a device that will, will constantly distract them and it, in one in one sense, it appeals to our desire for peace because our desire for peace is a desire to give our attention to things that are worthy. We we want to know, we want to love, we want to we want to under- understand. Uh, we seek communion, we seek connection. Um, but these devices you know, tempt us to, to, to know and, and to, to uh, desire and, and to be connected to things that maybe are not the best things for us to know and, and desire and be connected to. So it takes incredible discipline to uh, to exercise those natural human powers of knowing and, and willing and and uh, being in community with others uh, to exercise those powers well. well while we're carrying these devices around,
0: Joshua Shield joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. We're going into the breach here because we are talking about a mind at peace, reclaiming an ordered soul in an age of distraction. So, Josh, what I'm hearing is that when it comes to technology, technology is not the enemy. Like always, because of our concupiscence, we're our own worst enemies.
2: Well, I think that's a really good way of putting it, Joe. I mean, uh, we we didn't want to write a book. Uh, my co-author and i that that blamed technology for our problems technology magnifies it, uh timeless human problems sin is the problem um and what we what we need to do to uh protect ourselves from those uh the the, the dangers of sin is to practice habits of virtue uh, and to, to make ourselves um op- open to god's grace because we we need we need help from others, and we need help from God to um, uh, be, be able to negotiate the challenges of digital technology as uh, a, a, a sort of attacking particular vulnerabilities to sin.
0: Absolutely, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Russinello. But I'm glad I'm glad we made that point right off the bat because you know, listen, we're not we're not anti-technological advancement. You know, I mean, we're Catholics. We see th- We try to find the good in things, but we also are sober about it, and we recognize the temptations and the evils. Uh, I mean, we don't have to go into it. We probably won't get into it today. We know what kind of evil comes over this cell phone, okay? But, again, it can only affect us sure. if we yeah. bring it in. And as Catholics, I will say this, and I'm handing it over to Joe. I'm grateful for the technology because, mm-hmm. I, because Joe and I could get our message out to, who, who knows, I mean, with technology, hypothetically, you could get out, you could reach everybody on the planet. Okay. So we have to be grateful for that as Catholics. We can evangelize in a way that the apostles never could have dreamed of. Okay. Because we have this, but we have to make the decision to block out the nonsense. Uh, And I, that that's, I'm glad you made that point, Josh, that, you know, we're using the technology. We're not abusing it, but let's, let's, let's move forward. Joe Racinello. I want to hand it back over to you.
1: I want to get into like the social media desire for the like, Everyone's looking for likes, it seems. I mean, whether it's podcasts, whether it's a post on Facebook, whether it's a statement on Twitter. And I want to dissect that a little bit because I see it in my own life, and it's something I pray about every morning when I pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet, the third mystery. I think about Christ and i think about barabbas and i think about who chose who and they chose the criminal and christ was the king and he was he didn't look for affirmation frankly he was affirmation but we desire it as a people it's and and i think that's at the root of this i want to like We don't know who we are, Josh, because if we knew who we are, I wouldn't need affirmation from anyone except for God. And talk about that, because I I see it in my own life, and I have to root it out.
2: Yeah, I I think this is a really great example. Um, Just to to refer back to um, the the previous comment about um, how it makes us vulnerable to sin. I mean, there's an obvious way in which social media makes— Makes things that are intrinsically sinful um, more available or easier. Uh, You know, we could talk about using social media to bully. We could talk about pornography. Our our book actually doesn't really address those things because we take it as obvious that those things are wrong and bad, and anybody who has sort of basic abilities to um, uh, cultivate sort of uh, a a base base level of, of human decency. Knows that those things are wrong, but it's these these other things where it's it's not inherently wrong to be on social media and to post something. It's not inherently wrong for you guys to have a show and ask people to to like and subscribe, right? Um, but there could be, there, there's a sort of openness or vulnerability to sin there and that there, there are better and worse ways to desire attention, right? If you, if you, want, if you want attention because that, that flows from a heart of evangelism, that's beautiful. But if you want attention because you're thinking of yourself as competing with other shows or because you become prideful and you, you, you simply enjoy the status of, of, of fame, right, that's dangerous, and that's a, that's a more subtle thing for us to, to be aware of, and sometimes we don't even know our own motives. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to write this book is that you know I I have a smartphone, I'm I'm on social media, I have a Twitter account, my my kids have my kids have smartphones, um, and you know I I don't think I'm a saint, I don't think I'm I I have all the answers to these things, but I wanted to think through. All right, when when I'm using my Twitter account, say, um, and I like to think that I'm a philosopher even on Twitter, that I can get in intellectual arguments or that I can share the Catholic intellectual tradition that way. But I, I can sense in myself that sometimes, you know, I'm, 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 I might be motivated more by pride than by charity, or I might be uh, experiencing uh, something more like envy or wrath than like a, uh, a, a kind of righteous uh, anger or judgment about about injustice. Um, and these are more subtle, but, but uh, crucially important for the spiritual life virtues that we need to practice, um, and, and, you know, the, the, the bright side of, of digital technology and social media is that it's no longer um, possible to escape the fact that human beings need to cultivate these virtues. Um, we, 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 can, we can put the challenge negatively and say, wow, there's so many opportunities to sin now today. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a miracle that anybody can, can survive the, the social media landscape. But on the other hand, we can say, "Wow, look at look at how um, obvious it is today that that human beings have a spiritual dimension and that they need resources that social media, as an environment itself, doesn't offer." Right? We we can bring those resources to social media. We can we can bring the resources of classical philosophy and 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 the church um, and 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 help people understand what human nature is what sin is and how it is possible to practice habits that protect us from sin um but but that takes a lot of work um we we need we need we need need to do that very intentionally and the
0: thing is too let's let's remember we have to do that anyway yes we we have to do that we could get distracted by anything anything okay and we and we allow ourselves joshua Hochschild joining us here at the front line with joe and joe joe pasillo and joe risinello the book is a mind at peace we're gonna talk about peace a little bit. Reclaiming an ordered soul in an age of distraction. Josh, let's be clear. You could be obsessed with baseball and football and and so many things out there. Um, you know, televisions that were around before the iPhone, okay? And people got distracted by those. Um, talk about that a little bit. Talk about maybe maybe, you know, Joe Rasanello likes to say at the front line with Joe and Joe all the time we're a little bit too comfortable in America. You mentioned earlier on in our conversation here about you know getting through the struggles of daily life. You know, well that, that You make that statement, but we have to come to the reality. We have to recognize the reality of the situation is that life ain't easy, okay? And there are good times, and there are relaxing times, okay? But that's not what makes it peaceful, okay? What I think, and I love your comments on that, what makes life more peaceful is our ability to deal with the daily struggles rather than, and this is really where I'm going, looking for the distraction, whether it's sports, whether it's porn, whether it's something on the internet uh, or the use of technology comment on that. It's not, it's lack of a willingness to to face the reality that life just isn't altogether easy and it's a struggle and you gotta, you gotta struggle your way through it.
2: Yeah. We, we, we start the book by observing that um, you can't think of peace as, as a, a negation of things. It's not as if conflict is, is the reality. And, peace is just when you get rid of all of the conflict. Peace itself is a positive kind of activity. You have to do something to be at peace. Uh, This is true even in politics, right? A a nation isn't the peaceful nation if it simply um, sort of is unable to be at at, uh, at war with another nation, or or fails fails to be at war with another nation? Right, a nation is at peace if it is um, cultivating a, a a certain kind of community that is capable of sustaining itself and relating to its neighbors in a particular way, and that takes discipline, it takes intentionality, it takes it takes resources. Um, and the same is true of our inner spiritual life. Right, to be at peace isn't just to um sort of be unconscious or to fall asleep or something like um to to be at peace is to have um control and order discipline over all of our powers so that they are coordinated and doing the things that they need to do um interiorly and relating us to others and and uh presumably others who are also um uh working on cultivating those same uh the same ordered habits and yes that that's a timeless challenge there's nothing um, th- there's nothing about the um, th- the digital age that that um, fundamentally changes uh, what peace is for human beings. It simply provides a different environment in which we have to we have to uh, think about how we're going to practice or exercise peace under these circumstances.
0: Absolutely. Joshua Hochschild joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. I'm reminded of Ecclesiastes. There is nothing new under the sun. I think the people should get that through their head. Joe Resinello.
1: You said so much there, Josh, and I want to talk about discipline because I think as Americans, we lack it. Um, And as as Catholics, we foster discipline. How do we do that? We have periods of fasting on Fridays. We're still supposed to do either fast from me or do something else. We have Advent. It's a a mini Lent. It's a time to fast. We have Lent. And as the years go on as a practicing Catholic, I'm going to be 52, um, you begin to have self-mastery. Now, none of us are perfect. I am weak. There's no question about that. But you start to gain control. And that leads to a good life. Even outside of the Catholic faith, you have control of yourself. I think we forget The world that is that the devil is real and he knows our weaknesses and he knows that we are not a disciplined people and he's taking advantage of that, you know, talk to that because I do think, you know, even the smartest people out there, you know, I work in corporate America, there's very successful people, they make a lot of money. The devil is manipulating them, and they don't even realize it because he is real, and part of the way that he does that is through their lack of self-mastery, and that is reflected, frankly, in their devices. It controls their life. Speak to that. I think that is the key to some of the things you said whereby technology is good, but the abuse of it is bad.
2: Yeah. I mean, in in classical terms, the the main virtue that you uh, were – we're just talking about is temperance, or mo- sometimes moderation. Sometimes people just call it self-control. And, and it's the idea that um, our appetites need to be regulated. Um, there's nothing wrong with desiring food, but you don't want to be a glut. Uh, there's nothing wrong per se with desiring sex, human beings are sexual beings, but we all know that there's a right time and place and under under very particular conditions when that's appropriate and it's not appropriate at other times, right? Um, and the same is true for the desire for knowledge, right? The desire for knowledge is good, but it can also be distorted and you can desire to know the wrong things or the know things in the wrong circumstance um, and, and the desire for attention, right? Uh, there, there, there's something healthy about it uh, that that orients us towards social life and communal life But it can be distorted in a way that that can destroy social life. Um, and so one of the things that um, the digital media does is sort of uh, expand the landscape of, of of areas in which we can we can uh, exercise uh, our, our desires. And so we have to we have to think again about how temperance is going to apply uh in as as a habit regulating our desires and and giving us self-mastery self-control discipline and order and you know fasting is a great example right fasting fasting involves saying no to things not because those things are are necessarily bad but because we know that that it can be bad for us to desire those things in the wrong way Uh, fasting also it can be done Um, as as a personal discipline. But most cultures, you're right, this this isn't just a Catholic idea, it's a classical idea, you can find it all over the world, even even parts of the world that were never influenced by Greek philosophy. Um, Most cultures have developed um, communal exercises of self-denial and fasting, right? That, that's, why, that's why the Catholic Church has worked it into uh, liturgical seasons. Um, but it, it makes sense that there'd be periods of feasting and periods of fasting. And we, I think we need to do the same thing with social media um, and, and with our digital devices in general. Parents already intuitively did this even before um, the internet with television, right? There would mm-hmm. be times when it was okay for the kids to watch TV and times when it's not. There would be rules about, you know, Where where the TV was in the house, as opposed to you know you don't have it in the dining room, you have it in another kind of room. Um, uh, uh, Rules about you know not doing it on school nights or something. Just basic common sense. We we want to regulate when when to indulge in this uh, attractive thing and when to say no to it, and we're going to do that together as a family. I think most most uh, responsible families have tried to develop habits like that with social media about whether kids can have phones in their rooms or how much time they can spend on their ta- phones or what apps they can have on their phones it turns out to be very very hard to regulate um, because the devices are designed for us as as individuals they're very private they're very they're very they're very personal uh, but but it should be possible with a lot of effort with a lot of intentionality to develop um, communal habits within, within families, within schools, within churches, where people, people understand and hold each other accountable to um, uh, standards that allow them to say no at certain times, which, which allow them to, to practice that. Just that very, very basic habit of moderation or self-control.
0: Joshua Hochschild joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Rusciano. Were, were way weighing the breach. As Joe, as Joe commented, you know, before he, uh, the last time he spoke, is that there's so much to unpack there. Um, and believe me, this is a conversation we could have for a very long time. But uh, but we'll, we'll get to the meat and potatoes, and we'll try to make sure we emphasize to everyone out there. If you want the more detailed version of what we're talking about, there's a book and Josh wrote it. It's called A Mind at Peace: Reclaiming an Ordered Soul in the Age of Distraction. We'll say it again to the audience. Josh, but for now, where, where can folks uh, primarily buy the book?
2: Um, I mean, it's, it's available on, you know, everybody's, uh, uh, favorite online booksellers. Uh, You can ask, it's, it's in a lot of Catholic bookshops. It's from Sophia Institute press. You can go straight to their website or any bookstore that supplies, uh, supplies their book. Um, and I, want to give a shout out to my co-author to, uh, Christopher Bloom, uh, the book was really uh, his conception, and I was very honored that he uh, invited me to uh, as a co-author. When he when he uh, sketched the idea for the book, I immediately uh, got what he was about, and, and um, we we felt very graced uh, in in the process of writing it. So many things came together um, that, that I don't, I don't think, I don't, I, I know I couldn't have written that book without him. I, I, he, he says the same thing that, that, um, you know, he can't imagine how that book would have come about. And, 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 and we both acknowledge, uh, that, that, uh, we had, we had a lot of help from, uh, from the Holy Spirit.
0: Excellent. And, and I apologize. I, I, I haven't been mentioned in Christopher and I should, uh, That's Christopher okay. is, the, is the co-author of the book A mind at peace. Um, and yeah, don't, everybody out there, you know what I'm about to say. Don't buy it from the uh, online retailers. Buy it from Sophia Institute Press. Buy it from your local Catholic bookstores. Let's support our Catholic authors. Let's support our Catholic publishers, okay? Please, at our Catholic bookstores, stop putting money into the pockets of companies that, quite frankly, are super-duper wealthy to begin with, okay? We don't need to give them any more of our money, particularly when they slap us in the face whenever they whenever they get the opportunity. Let's talk in, the, in a few <coughs> minutes we have... Joshua Hochul, before um, before the break, uh, you guys were talking about discipline, self mastery. I think uh, I'm gonna butcher this, but Augustine said the the poor man though a slave is free, and the rich man though a king is a slave because he has as many masters as he has vices. Okay. And I want you to comment on this, Josh. I think this is important. This is one of the themes that Joe and I hammer on the show all the time, okay? Stop letting those out there convince you that they are trying to liberate you in some way from some repression or oppression that's being brought upon you by the Catholic Church, okay? Those who are selling you something, especially liberation of some kind, usually the sexual variety, okay, they're looking to enslave you, okay they're not looking to liberate you, Jesus Christ is the liberator, okay not not social media and everything else, not the crap you a lot of which you find on on social media and the like. Josh talk about that liberation in the modern context is slavery okay um and and we need to hammer that to people <laughs> no, I, you know nobody's nobody's giving you anything okay nobody's doing you a good turn here okay there, there's always a motive, and Joe and I think that the motive is I think people want to try to. Make slaves out of people by having them, rather than their reason controlling their desires. Uh, you know, have it the other way around. Your comments on that?
2: No, I, I think you're right. There, there, there are a lot of ideologies that that advertise liberation, but they actually, uh, they actually communicate a kind of slavery. One, uh, one of the insidious things I think about the digital is that um, it doesn't have to have an ideology that goes along with it, right? I mean, may, maybe, maybe um, the, the, the smartphone makers and the app makers have an ideology, but uh, mainly they just want your attention. Uh, they, they're, they're selling your attention. They have a profit motive. And again, even a profit motive, that, that's not intrinsically wrong, but it can be disordered. It can, it can be uh, misdirected. Um, they, they've figured out a way to, uh, to get you addicted to doing certain things, not, not because they think it's good for you, but because they, they think it's good for them, for you to be addicted to doing those certain things. Um, and that's a kind of slavery. Addiction is a kind of slavery. Um, uh, habitual sin is a kind of slavery. And you, you mentioned Augustine. He's so good on this. right? Um, and the first step to realizing to, to, to authentic liberation is identifying what that kind of slavery is so, so that you can practice the alternative kinds of habits uh, and and open yourself to grace uh, so that you can resist those. I, 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 I think, you know, uh, we can imagine when when Augustine went to confession um, he, he confessed the kinds of sins that he described in the book called confessions right um, he, he, sexual sins of course but also you know his his sins of curiosity his sins of giving attention to um, to the gladiator combats and, and to drama that he shouldn't to, to the sins of pride the sins of wanting to be important uh, he was an attention seeker uh, just just like any any other uh, uh, you know potentially successful person Um and and he would confess those sins. And I mean, I wonder, I admit, have you have either of you in confession ever described things that were particular to the digital age? Right, I, I spent too much time on my phone, or I I, I, I let I let my. Um, interaction on social media distract me from my uh, obligations to my to my family. Now, I mean, uh, you you don't have to tell me that, but I mean, I've I've confessed things like that. I know many people have, and and that tells me that we we might need to start thinking more uh, more sp- proactively in terms of uh, how we will characterize the habits. The, the right habit of using social media the right habits of using digital devices and and uh may, just make it part of of our daily conversations and how how we um examine our own consciences and how we help our friends and um uh that's the first step towards authentic freedom right to to realize okay if if you go too far down this path it, you know you can become enslaved this this distraction that you're feeling is is actually the, the, the malaise of, of losing control of your soul, of having your soul become owned by something that, that doesn't care about you anymore. So take those steps necessary to reclaim your soul and, and put, it, put it on a path where it will experience authentic freedom. Absolutely.
0: Joshua Hochschild. We're going to take a little bit of a break. Um, a Mind at Peace, Reclaiming an Ordered Soul in the Age of Distraction. That is the book. The authors are Joshua Hochschild and Christopher Bloom. So you're at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're way in the breach. We're on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Stick around. we got another half hour with Josh. You're going to want to definitely listen to this conversation. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened. Parishes and communities flourish. So, let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and His Church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pacillo, Joe Resinello, and we're way in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network with Joshua Hochschild. We're discussing his book that he co-authored with Christopher Bloom, A Mind at Peace, Reclaiming an Ordered Soul in the Age of Distraction. Joe Rasinello, such an important conversation to have. I'm going to hand it over to you.
1: I want to concentrate uh, this particular uh, discussion on— distraction and noise i could remember a friend of mine very successful person lives out um outside of dc told me this straight up he said silence scares him he actually said this. This is a highly successful person. He said, silence scares me. And it reminds me of what C.S. Lewis said in Screwtape Letters. I saw the play in at NYU and he, how noise, distraction is how the devil keeps us from God. And I do think that in many ways, we see that today through the use of our devices, the devil and people think, who is this crazy Italian guy from New Jersey talking about the devil? The devil is real. Believe it. He is real and he's smarter than you. And he uses this to distract us because silence is a window into God. God comes to us through silence. We're no longer silent anymore. I used in the beginning of this conversation, the bus. The time on the bus 50 years ago at 7 a.m. going into New York City was a time of silence. It's not anymore. It's noisy. People are listening to stuff and they got their earplugs in and they're doing all this other stuff. Talk about silence as a need and how... I think, and I actually, I think I know. The devil uses distraction and our devices to distract us from the voice that we need to listen to, which is God.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, one way that I think we could put it is that it, uh, silence is is an opportunity to be self aware, and being self aware is what's uncomfortable. It's not it's not the silence that's uncomfortable. It's it's realizing that you have, you have to live with your own thoughts, that you, that you, you have to take responsibility for, um, uh, the, 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 di- the direction of your, uh, your, your intellectual energy for the things, for the things that you're capable of imagining or not ima-
1: imagining.
2: If, if, if we can, um, sort of depend on other other things to supply that to us, to, to 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 tell us who we are, to tell us why we're important, to 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 give us the images that we're going to give our attention to, um, and self awareness is hard, especially for the for people who lack virtue, right? Self awareness is actually more comfortable the more virtuous you become, um, but but part of becoming virtuous is 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 being um, sort of sort of uh, getting more and more comfortable with um, the, the, the contents of one's own consciousness uh, you're exactly right to reference uh, c.s lewis um, his his description of demonic temptation right makes very clear that it's not that the devil comes and tries to teach you a false religion the devil doesn't try to make you become a member of the church of satan the devil just tries to get you to forget things the devil tries to to get you not to pay attention to things uh, the devil works primarily by distraction. That's what makes the screw tape letters so funny.
0: You know, what my favorite? You know, one of my favorite parts of screw tape is, I guess it's the Karl Marx character. I don't think he calls him Karl Marx. He had a moment in the British Museum where he actually stopped and contemplated God. And I think it's um, screw tape in parts to Wormwood. He says, I reminded him that he was hungry and, and the thought of God <laughs> left his mind. That's perfect that's you know, perfect, it's exactly right? you see again you know if people need to understand that's joe said it said it absolutely correctly okay the devil's a lot smarter than you all right he ain't showing up with horns you can forget about all those medieval images of the devil okay he's real okay he's super duper smart and he knows exactly which buttons to push to distract you from what you're supposed to be focused on joe mentioned silence um one, maybe we one of talk the things- about
2: go ahead one of of the things that the devil knows a lot better than than uh we do sometimes is just sort of the 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 patterns and habits of human cognition and the, the different kinds of powers that we have so so he knows that he can get you to think about something by putting a certain image in front of you right and he knows he knows how our our senses are connected to our internal imagination, and how our internal imagination directs our different modes of higher-level cognition. And, and really, at the end of the day, all he wants to do is prevent our minds from being oriented to God. And our minds can be oriented to God if if our lives are structured so that our exterior senses and our imagination, um, and 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 our interior senses, can support our mind in reaching for God. Right. and all he has to do is find ways to corrupt that process right so the devil the devil is a master psychologist that's what you learn from the scripture letters the devil the devil understands human psychology very very well and what what's what's very interesting is so do the social media companies oh yeah um, there's, there's, a, there's a great film about how how social media works called the social dilemma it's a it's a um, a, a documentary on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it. It's worth watching with children, actually. Um, and, and one of the things that it, it uh, makes evident is that the way social media works is by constantly monitoring whatever cues it has about your interior life. Obviously, it can't reach inside your soul and, and read your interior life directly, but it can tell what you're paying attention to. It knows how long you looked at at which screens it know it knows which things got your attention really fast it knows which things you ignore and and then and then it can use what it learns from monitoring your behavior just just like screw tape monitors our behavior and right? the, the social media companies monitor our behavior to see how it is that they can interrupt our attention right and 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 with without attributing to them a, a, a an intentionally demonic uh, agenda, right? They have something that is f- functionally demonic, right? That they don't make a profit if you turn off your smartphone and go and pray, right? They they make more profit if you don't do that, and they can get you to pick up your smartphone and and uh, press likes or or engage more, right? So right. so so they have learned mainly through trial and error and the profit motive, they have learned more about human psychology than most of us know about ourselves. They, they know more about, about your inner life um, than, um, uh, than, than maybe some of your friends do because they've been monitoring it so closely and keep, keep, they keep updating a model of, of who you are. Mm-hmm. And um, if, that's, if, if we know that there are powers out there that, that have an interest in us like that, um, we, we, need, we need to take steps to protect ourselves right we need we need the, the the armor and shield of of spiritual protection we're going to
0: joshua hulk shield we're we're, we're going to uh, get into just
2: like anybody who would be subject to traditional demons <laughs> sorry
0: yep yeah, we're joe's definitely going to want to because one of our uh, things we constantly hammer on we'll talk about it in a few minutes is the need to to combat that through sacraments and prayer we'll talk about that in a minute um but uh for those of you out there who are just joining us. Joshua Hochschild is joining us here. His book that he co-authored with Christopher Bloom is A Mind at Peace, Reclaiming an Ordered Soul in the Age of Distraction. I can't think, Joe Rasinello, of a more important topic to, to, to be talking about. I've just re- very quick comment, and I'm going to hand it over to Joe, Josh. Um, I was at an event recently, uh, and Jesse Romero was giving a uh, given a talk to good Catholic men, I just moved to uh, to Arizona. I got out of dodge, as I like to say, I, my wife and I moved out of New Jersey. Uh, but having said that, so I was there. he made a good point and it reminded me of what or what you said reminded me of it uh, the, the the demons, the devil, they're good watchers. they're very patient. they just like you mentioned about social media, they just watch you. they just see what you're going to do and the patterns that develop and then and then they swoop in. By planting little suggestions. I will say this. One of the reasons why I know the devil runs the advertising industry, because if you banned pornography tomorrow in America, all right, if it was banned, if it wasn't allowed on the internet, there's still plenty of porn on there that's allowed. It's just more of a subtle form, okay? Uh, but they're definitely trying to trigger, particularly men. Let's face it, men have most of the problem with porn, not women, all right? They try to trigger that in men. Now, I am firmly convinced that the devil runs the advertising industry. There's no question about it because there's triggers all over the place. But that's that's my little diatribe. Um, but a quick comment on the, on the patience of those who would seek to uh, like the demons and the devil um, by just watching us and watching what we do and then acting on that. And then we'll hand it over to Joe. Josh?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's um, the, 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 the interior life of human beings is, in a sense, a mystery, and we are mysteries to ourselves. But often, you know, we find that we know others better than we know ourselves, right? You, you can sort of predict your friend's behavior in ways uh, that, he, that might surprise your friend that like oh yeah I knew I knew how you'd respond to that and you know you know we we can use this knowledge sometimes um for good or ill but you know you sometimes sometimes you realize you can manipulate somebody or you can at least sort of nudge them in a certain direction by um this this is how rhetoric works right um we we're, we're moved by speech not just because of the content the truth content of the terms But also because of the way that words are, are uh, uh, influence our emotions, so um, um, it, it, it's it's part of human nature that that we sort of give off signs and cues about our our personality, our temperament, and how we can be moved and how we can be how we can be pushed in one direction or another. But if you think about the, the resources that that the demons have, right, to observe us constantly, um, to 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 observe the, the very subtle signs. Of, you know, just, just, uh, you know, how 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 did a one one muscle in your face move, or where did your eyes look at that at that particular moment, and for how long? If you think about how much they can observe in us, more than you can observe in a friend, and if you think about how much um, uh, the, the 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 smartphone companies and the the self the the social media uh, companies can observe about our behavior, how much how much data they can gather. Um, I mean, we, we talk about, we talk about their, their data gathering often in terms of, um, commodifying information about us and whether that information that, or whether they should be allowed to sell it, but it, it's not just information. They're not just collecting facts about us. They're, they are actually trying to understand your psychology so that they can nudge you and push you and they, they, they want to manipulate you. They, they want to, um, they, want to use, the, the tricks of uh, a, a kind of digital psychological rhetoric to get you to do things that are not necessarily in your interest. Um, and mm-hmm. so we have to use all of the, all of the resources we can um, and I, I, in a sense, I don't think that that we need any new resources at all. We need a renewal of classical resources. Um, ancient philosophers knew a lot about human psychology and theorized about the virtues that strengthen us. And of course, the, the the Christian tradition gives us spiritual masters who have communicated great wisdom about about what the soul needs in order to be strengthened against the attacks of the world. And um, uh, you know. Uh, prayer and the sacraments give us the nourishment that we need to to be strong enough to to even learn from those resources. So, we have the tools that we need available, but we do need to be aware that we that we, we, we face great threats.
0: Absolutely, Joe Rosanello.
1: There's so much there to unpack, and I love what you said. We're a mystery to ourselves because that is so true, and that is the mistake of the secular world, particularly very successful people, particularly very smart people. They think they have it all together, but at the end of the day, we are a mystery to ourselves. St. Francis said at the cross of St. Damiano, who are you, Lord, and who am I? When we know who we truly are, children of God, we see clearly. We see clearly, and you know, you mentioned philosophers, and, and Joe and I read a lot for this show. You read a real lot. You're a professor, But not everyone does. I believe it's the purity of heart that helps you to see these things. And it's available to everyone, all people across the world, simple and smart alike. And talk about that because the Lord says, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see the face of God through going to confession, through daily prayer, in your station of life. You will see these pitfalls and you will have a better life and you'll navigate yourself through this world. So many people are not doing that successfully. Just look out your window. It doesn't matter where you live, whether you live in a wealthy community or a poor one. They're not succeeding. And through the purity of heart, we truly see we know who we are. Talk about some of those tools, how we can do that, and talk about the eyes of the heart to help us see these pitfalls, particularly in our devices. Yeah, uh,
2: thank you for that question. And, and if I may, I, 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 will, I want your listeners to um, know something about the book. I and mean, Chris Chris Bloom and I are both um, philosophy professors. We both have, have studied the tradition that we're drawing from to write the book, but it is not an academic book. It is, it is not a claim that intellectuals have some sort of um, uh, special, um, powers that, that, uh, non, uh, uh, non-academics are non in have. Um, we, we, we think that, that we, we, we learned from, um, you know, saints saints and sages of the past, but, but what we've learned from them is something, uh, that in a sense, encodes, uh, common sense and can be made, can made be made accessible to, to all. And so, so, um, what, what we tried to write was something very, very practical. Um, it, it, it it's the kind of book that, that we think, um, you know, pe- people can use, in, um, uh, church reading groups. I know that it's been used in, in, uh, schools for students and for, and for teachers. Um, it, it's meant to be a, a kind of, uh, self-help book, if you will. It, it, it's practical, it ends each chapter ends with questions for reflection, which are almost like uh, examinations of conscience to apply the concepts to our own lives. Um, and it's the kind of book that Chris and I both wish we had had to help us as we were, you know, starting to negotiate uh, uh, the, the, the digital age, especially as Um, not just as professionals, but as, as fathers, as husbands um, and and teachers. Um, So um, the, 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 the question that you asked Joe um, is, is really in a sense about kind of simplicity of heart. Um, And in a way that should be very easy, right? We're talking about the, 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 the childlike spirit that, that uh, Jesus praises so much and that somehow is, is in, all of us but it but if we we, we lose it or 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 we get distracted from it we we forget it um and um there there are i believe very very basic steps that people can take to to kind of reclaim that that childlike heart that simply wonders which is to say wants to know the, the the truth especially about the highest things the things that would give life meaning and that desires to to be at home which is to say to be connected to other people who care about them and that they care about, um, other, other persons, including the divine person, Um, right? So our desire for truth and our desire for communion, um, they, they, they are important on the natural level for building community and having friendship. And, and so there's a natural level of peace that we seek, um, in in that sense, but that's also what orients us towards God, right? God, God is the ultimate truth, but God is also Um, our our creator and a a person who loves us and wants to be in communion with us. And we are not, we're we're not fully wise, but we're also not fully at home until we are in relationship with God. Uh, And so the natural level of of, uh, uh, cultivating wisdom and, and building friendship sets us on the path that grace can perfect by giving us um, the, 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 the wisdom and friendship with God.
0: Absolutely. Joshua Hochschild joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're way in the breach. We're discussing his new book that, uh, authored with Christopher Bloom, a mind at peace, reclaiming an ordered soul in the age of distraction, which is available at Sophia Institute press, along with Catholic bookstores we would encourage you to buy the book there. Um, I used to, in my own journey, Josh, um, I wasn't always practicing. I never left the church. Okay. But I certainly wasn't what you, I, I wasn't a person you would call a practicing Catholic. Okay. Um, I used to wonder sometimes, like, what does it mean to let Jesus in? Like, what does that mean exactly? I was a little snarky, too, when I thought that. and I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I remember listening to, to Father Karapi, who used to relay that Bishop Fulton Sheen used to say to the seminarians, I have more power than all of you, because he spent an hour in prayer. And that started to register with me. I was like, I, I, and in and, and conversations like we're having with you today, when you think about distraction, concupiscence, when you start to learn these concepts and you wonder what's going on in your own life and you start to realize letting Jesus in means spending time with him every day, not just not just going to mass on Sunday. OK, that, and I, that's why I mentioned Bishop Fulton Sheen hour of power means you spend an hour with the lord you know what that does at least i can say from my own experience and i've heard it from countless other people that hour of power half hour of power hour and a half of power whatever time you spend with the lord there's your protection from you what i was gonna say that'll exactly make you right a I mean, you will grow in holiness, you will have the ability to to to, to withstand the, the slings and arrows that are coming at you, okay, in this culture, and that's really what we're talking about. Talk about that grounding in prayer and the sacraments that we as Catholic men know the power of that. That was my point in telling you my story from the past, is because I didn't know the power of that. Yeah. I know the power of that. Now, I know when I'm not praying, I'm I'm in trouble, Okay, I know that I, I know that from my own personal experience. When I get spiritually lazy, I'm in trouble. Okay, um, but the need to to avail ourselves of the sacraments and to pray every day and to invite the Lord in to protect us from these things. I know that was long-winded, Joshua Halkshell, but please comment on that.
2: No, I mean you're 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 absolutely right. Um, we we become like our friends. So um, if if you can make Jesus your friend, or if you can if you can accept His invitation that He's willing to become your friend um you you can you can acquire uh the 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 virtues the powers that he's willing he's willing to share uh, even even on a purely natural psychological level right Put, putting putting the, the 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 uh specifically catholic faith aside right the act of prayer is such a a um all encompassing psychological exercise right you you have to you have to filter out you know certain things to not pay attention to them you have to give your attention to certain things you have to Use uh, your to uh, recall who it is that you think Jesus is, right? So you'll remember uh, biblical stories, you might remember works of art, you might have particular images in front of you, you might recite certain kinds of prayers. So you are drawing on so many psychological resources. But why, right? It's not just that you're activating or, or, you know, a neuroscientist would say, oh, yeah, so you're activating all these different kinds of your brain. But you're activating all those kinds of your brain. You're you're drawing on all of those, those, um, those faculties of the soul in a coordinated way to orient your attention to the most important thing. Right to God Himself, to the to the highest, most transcendent, absolute, perfect. Right, and it, it, there's a way in which none of us can even comprehend what that is. Right, my my philosopher's language for describing God is going to fall short in all sorts of ways. Um, and and part of speaking about God is acknowledging the way in which our speaking about God falls short. But but even so, we we can orient as much as we can. The, the search of our soul towards that thing that we acknowledge is so great that we can't comprehend it, we can't own it, and we can only submit to it. Think, think about what that does to our souls if, if we if we draw on all of our energy to orient our imagination, our sensation, the words that we're speaking, the way the posture that we're holding our body in, um, how we're relating everything else in our life to this one most important thing. Even even an atheist should appreciate. That prayer must be an incredibly powerful force. In in something, right? Um, they, they don't they don't have to believe that God is real and actually communicates grace um, uh, through through prayer. Uh, they, all, all they have to do is look about. You know, what is it doing in our brains? What is it What is it doing in in the way that people experience their life? There's. There's all kinds of empirical evidence that that prayer changes the way people experience the world, experience their friendship. Uh, it it changes it changes, you know, what 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 you like and what you don't like. It can it can build the the strength that you need to, to resist certain temptations or maybe not even feel those temptations anymore, right? it, it, it is actually a, a way of rehabituating the, the powers of the soul. Um, and so um, I, I, I actually think one of the most frustrating things about the digital age is that some people feel like the distraction is so great that, that they can't even begin to pray, right? It's one thing to say, well, use, use prayer to overcome these problems, but some of the problems that people are experiencing as we discru- discussed with CS Lewis and in this group tape letters are that people feel like they can't even enter into prayer or begin to pray. They're so distracted that that um, that they can't even marshal the energy to start to start directing their attention to God. And so we need to stop and think about what 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 is going on in our lives that is doing that and and what is it that's that's interrupting our ability to give intention to the most important things.
0: I'm going to hand it over to Joe for a last question, Joshua Hochschild. We only have time for one more, but I will say this. I think that's why it's important that you writing a book, Joe and I on our podcast, and all Catholic men out there, if we're saying it and saying it boldly and fearlessly to our culture, then that's one of the ways that we could get across to a lot of people, all right? Uh, Dude, you're distracting yourself from the important things in life. Get back on the right track. Even if, you're like you said, we want the salvation of your soul. But even in terms of just... Having a better society, having a better culture, okay? Get your head on straight. Stop being distracted. Stop allowing these things to distract you. If you wonder where your problems are coming from, generally speaking, that's what really what we've been talking about. Having said that, we have about a couple minutes left. I'm going to hand it over to Joe, Joshua, yep. for one final question.
1: Father Paul Scalia wrote the foreword uh, of this book. As we all know, uh, his dad was the great Supreme Court justice. Uh, Father Paul is a priest in Virginia. He said it's not primarily about disconnecting from our devices, but about reconnecting. Absolutely, he's a hundred percent right. But that's hard. Disconnecting is hard, but it's we have to start slow. I could, and I'll just say this about me: during uh, Lent, I said I would only scroll in the morning on facebook and i carried it through and then i try to do that now in my life um i don't always succeed during the day but i try and and i made some strides talk about disconnecting in small ways and then as a result we could reconnect with god i think father paul's on point
2: josh we have about a minute left brother yeah good i mean uh five or six years ago i don't i don't recall people talking about um, social media fasts, or if they did, it was a sort of new thing that that they 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 were experimenting with. It, it's interesting to me that just within a few years, it's not, it's now sort of understood that this makes sense. People will people will go on a fast of their of social media, or or they will um, they will find certain ways to intentionally limit their use of it for some period of time. And this tells us that we are recognizing that um, it it is it is now part of the spiritual life that. That, uh, that we, we, have, we have to be intentional about how we use these things and when we use them. And, and we have to take steps to remind ourselves that there are more important things. All of all social media sells itself as connecting us to each other, as communicating, as sharing, as, as uh, making us feel like we belong. <clears throat> we all experience it as doing the opposite of that. Um, and yet we're still using it, right? So why are we still using it? Because, because we see that it is possible under the right circumstances to be more connected, to, to, to have better friendships, to belong, but, but that it doesn't just happen automatically.
0: Right. Joshua Hochschild. Yes, we have to leave it there, brother. I'm sorry. We are That's on good. radio. We get those, those pesky little time constraints. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. We, we look forward to having you back in the future. Thanks, and the book, we encourage everybody out there, uh, co-authored by Christopher Bloom and Joshua Hochschild, uh, A Mind at Peace, Reclaiming an Ordered Soul in the Age of Distraction. We'd encourage you all if you're going to buy it, we hope you do, buy it from Sophia Institute Press or your local Catholic bookstore. And we thank you all out there for joining us at the veritas catholic radio network 1350 on your am dial 103.9 on your fm dial spreading the truth of the catholic faith to the new york city metropolitan area download the app veritas catholic network mobile app share it with your friends and please follow joe and i on social media wherever you find us and remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere we'll talk to you soon